Welcome to the Moksha podcast hosted by Maeva and Evanthea. We are inviting you into this space for open-hearted talks about how to heal our relationships to ourselves, others and the natural world around us. We are honored to be your host today and hope that what we will share will create some inspiration for you to find your own path of reconnection. For this first episode, we invite you to take a first dip into the vast world of permaculture. Evanthea and I met at a permaculture design course a few months ago, where we were introduced to this knowledge, and we have the opportunity today to welcome one of our teachers, Elena Simeonidu. Elena is a permaculture designer and consultant living in Greece, coming from a very eclectic background with experience in electronics and computing engineering, as well as cinematography. After living in several countries in Europe and Asia, the work today is mainly based on the island of Baros, one of the Cycladic beauties of Greece. So Elena, together, all of us, we will delve a little deeper into the world of permaculture. And I think we should be uh, starting uh, really by the term of permaculture and uh, really just wondering how you define it and what the term means to you and why it's important. Hi, hello. It's great to be here with you to begin with. Uh, well, I like, um, I have a short uh, definition of permaculture that I uh, generally prefer and I have changed it actually just today when I was thinking about what permaculture is for me. So my very, very short definition is that it is the architecture of sustainability. Uh, I will explain a bit more because it doesn't say very much. Uh, but I changed it. This was this used to be my my first definition, um, but most preferred. And today I changed it to the to being the architecture of regeneration because we no longer um, we, we sustainability is not enough these days. We have to regenerate everything. We have to regenerate the uh, systems the living systems that we have created, that we have modified and that we live in. So this is why, generally speaking, we have slowly to change the term sustainability towards regeneration. So architecture is a design system, generally speaking. Architecture creates designs for homes, mm. for, for, yeah, for houses for places to live in. Permaculture is a design system that designs the human habitat in general. So the, again, our home, the, but in, in, in the broader way. And um, because we have changed the world around us so much, um, we have done so much damage and so much... Um, we have created havoc out there. We need to find a way to redesign uh, the, our habitat, our home, homes, in order to try to let as much of nature out there 
as possible and unchanged or to let it um, regenerate even by itself. So this is what we try to do with permaculture. We can design or redesign the place we live and the place we uh, cover our needs from in such a way that we cover our needs, our material needs and our non-material needs in such a way that it is efficient and it doesn't harm either the place or the being, the other beings that are in this place. I don't know if it makes sense. Well, no, to I you, it, it does. Sense. And <laughs> it was a good, that was such a good way to describe it. Yes. Yes, it makes all sense. And also permaculture is a set of ethics and principles, right? Is there uh, any one of them that you would like to present our audience today to have a bit more of a visualization of what permaculture is in action? Yeah, the, the word ethics is a key word into the discussion, generally speaking, because um, science in general uh, is not very much concerned with ethics. Um, science is about knowing the truth. And like, at least this is the, you know, the, the way science is defined in, in a very, very general way. Um, only recently, um, in ecology, ethics has come into play uh, in the sense that we try to care for what is living. And permaculture being an, really an interdisciplinary system, because for architecture, for any design system, you need many disciplines to draw upon in order to create your home your habitat, mm. it, uh, the, the ethics um, component becomes very important. And the three basic ethics for permaculture is care for the earth. This is the prime directive, as we say. This is the first thing that we care about. Mm. Care for the people and people belong to the earth are part of the earth. We shouldn't forget that. And uh, then there is the third ethic, which is uh, fair share. Like we, we say in, in condense, we say we call it fair share. That is redistribution of uh, um, wealth and uh, resources in order to um, cover everybody's needs. Hmm. There has been a lot of uh, discussion about this third ethic and people have tried to re rephrase it and change it and, made, and make it sound a bit less, um, uh, you know, um, daring or, um, um, yeah. But this is the bottom line. Yeah. Fair share. Fair share. And it's interesting what you're saying about how science has framed our vision of the world as seeking the truth rather than seeking what's fair or caring for it. Um, it makes me think of what um, botanist and uh, say Robin Walkimer says about the difference between the Western science and indigenous knowledge. Um, operating between different set of assumptions about the world. And she says very 
um, beautifully that uh, science tells us to to see from empirical observation and intellect where indigenous science tells us to include also emotion and spirit. And when Starhawk, uh, which is an author and activist um, and very involved in permaculture as well, says that permaculture is the know-how of the earth being sacred. That's those dimension of emotion and spirituality, uh, whatever it means, um, relates to your practice of permaculture as well? Absolutely, because uh, seeking the truth may be um, seeking the intellectual knowledge in the Western framework, but seek truth is something much more complex than just the intellectual knowledge or the intellectual truth. So all these components are in. And um, maybe in the first approach of permaculture, one um, gets overwhelmed by information and thinks that this is what it is about. So I learn all these things. I learned botany. I learned climatology. I learned this, that, and the other. And then I'm able to design. When you um, stop studying, or when you when the course is over, for example, or you you stop reading a book, then you go in, in nature. You go where you want to um, apply things or to design something, whatever this is. All, all your your being is a part of this uh, of this design. All the knowledge, the inner knowledge that you have, the knowledge that you have in your brain, uh, your the, all your memories, the songs that you have sung when you were a child, whatever is in your heart, everything uh, is at play. This is the truth. The truth is much more complex. So, so I'm all about. Uh, about the you know the phrases you gave from Starhawk and from Valkymer, whom I love really. Every every minute you think that the priorities change. Everything is really so condensed today. But even even twelve years ago, um, you know the the story was not so different. It was it was in a way because we didn't have this this imminent threat of climate change uh, so palpable at the time it was vague and it's it's amazing if you think about it that only 12 years ago um we yeah. didn't really talk about it yeah uh anyway so i i was trained as an engineer and i had done cinematography and i was working uh, uh in in europe combining these two i was doing multimedia and uh, uh i was in an international organization in Switzerland, and I was like, I I I checked all yeah. the ticks. Checked you know, all the boxes. I, I, this is how you you say it. <laughs> yes, I, I ticked all the boxes. I had the great <laughs> job, which was very well paid, and uh, in a very interesting environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was not happy, um, and I. I was in front of a computer all day and I remember myself saying that if there is no electricity, my work is nowhere, you know? There is nothing <laughs> there. So relatable. Um, so relatable. So, yeah, and, and this really hurt, you know? <laughs> it felt really bad. 
And but I had no clue what I wanted to do. Anyway, I I uh, quit. I quit uh, my job and uh, Europe altogether, and I went to Asia. And um, there, I I had I had many very uh, intense. Um, um, experiences especially in East Timor I don't know how much we talked about that so I, I had volunteered uh, in East Timor uh, which was a very young country uh, even at the time and I it was an amazing um, change for me a very uh, a shock sort of uh, for me to change from Switzerland to East Timor uh, you know, to work in, in, in the, I don't know, one of the richest countries in Europe, to go to a place where uh, me being a haircut and wearing um, spectacles meant that I was really very rich, rich mm. beyond reach, you know, <laughs> for the people there, the fact that I had a haircut. So, yeah, thatched houses and people just uh, living from hand to mouth. It was it was a shock to see because you read about it, you mm. see images of it, but when you experience this, it's a whole different story. That is the first time I heard of the word permaculture. I didn't really understand what meant, what uh, uh, was all about. And then uh, I moved to Thailand and then I, uh, I started and finished a life there in less than a year. And I found myself again in an airplane heading to Bali. Um, and I left my wallet in the plane. I forgot my wallet. And uh, so I found in Bali um, without money without uh, you know either cash or credit cards you know it was really funny and people helped me there and i found the one person that i knew in bali she was i i, I wouldn't say that she was a friend she was a person i knew you know mm -hmm. and i located her and she said okay come over take a taxi and come over so i take a taxi very very miserable as you may imagine uh, going to her place it was two hours far from the uh, airport and uh, Bali is, uh, is a paradise and uh, well in on earth in a way at least it's it looked like that in my eyes uh, at the time and I got a little bit soothed on the way to her house mm -hmm. and I I arrived and she tells me look I'm starting a workshop on Monday um it's we are a few expats that we're doing this workshop it's about nature it's called per it's about permaculture have you heard of this I said, oh, yeah well and I had been traveling for quite a long time I hadn't worked for some time and I said you know yeah I want to do it what else I mean I don't have it's not like I have something else to do <laughs> and I did this first workshop and in the first half hour I was totally hooked I was crying my eyes out because in one in half an hour I realized how much this framework um, fit what I had in mind about uh, right living if you will
about how to, and it 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 looked it sounded like a bridge between what I believe in, what I think the world is about, to what one also can do to live. And this the story after that it was it was really a one way that so I pursued more and more. Uh, uh, training and more education and I ended up back in Greece that was an interesting one because um, I ended up in Australia at some point and I took a course uh, with uh, the father of permaculture Bill Mollison who is you know my favorite person on earth well he's no longer alive but anyway um and uh, I asked him, uh, we were, I was also in his uh, second farm in Tasmania for some days. And I asked him, what should I do? Should I go to Bali uh, to start something or should I go to Greece? And he told me, Elena, like, do you want to go to paradise to create a paradise? Or do you want to go to hell to create a paradise? So guess what? paradise was and what hell was <laughs> i'll leave it to you well greece is not usually referred to as hell <laughs> i know for I most know, people but it was uh but it, it might right. be you know the the touristic impression that many people have of it it's true that you wrote i, I found this article that you wrote um you're saying that you left greece in the beginning of the 2000 years feeling of disempowerment and exhaustion due to institutional crisis and the luring of rapid and superficial modernization. So what has been really your experience of going back to this place, especially now that there has been an ongoing socioeconomic crisis there and that climate change is making um, everything related to nature in a dryland even more complicated today? Yeah, it was uh, it has been a very um interesting journey because now I'm back I have been back for more than 10 years and um, when I came back I felt again empowered I had lost that as I write in this article when I left it was just before the Olympic Games it was Greece was a vulgar place but I think the world was a vulgar place at the time we were still ignorant of um, of the imminent uh, financial crisis and how how um, the systems that we live in are fragile and uh, kind of random in a way. Um, so after the global crisis in 2008 and then the Greek crisis in the beginning of the next decade, because it's really, it's a couple of years that it evolved in a way I and which which two years were the years that I was being formed in permaculture? I said that's it. I now I know this. I have the solution. <laughs> I will go back, and this is the solution. We have to. I, I have to go back and help and bring this new paradigm to Greece and green Greece and all that. And um, but I had. I had, uh, I had left for almost 10 years and many things had changed. 
And uh, well, when I came back, uh, everybody felt very wounded and still in shock. And it was like the, the beginning of the pandemic, actually. Everybody thought that this would be just a very short interval, uh, the crisis, that we would um, get over with quite fast, actually, and we would go back to normal. Yeah, they didn't, this is what they didn't was really realize that this could this was going to be a new normal. And I think you're right. It's similar to the way that a lot of us reacted to the pandemic in the very beginning. Yeah, and it's it I think it's human because we are resistant to change. Well, even life is resistant to change. Homeostasis is is what governs life. Like we want the same. A little bit of the same. We don't want to change. And um, so, in the first years, it was just there was just this this um, uh, shock, and people didn't really know what to do. There were also very very strong protests in in the cities and all that. But I I couldn't go back to nothing. So I I came straight to the Cycladis and it, this was serendipity. It was really um, uh, because somebody invited me to do permaculture in, in Paris. He said, they said, come, come to do it here. And uh, this new world opened. I love the Cycladis, but Cycladis is an archipelago where um, uh, the the desert comes in Greece. It's really the entrance point um, of the desert, together with Western, or with sorry, with Eastern Crete. Um, this is where the desert comes from. So, if we manage to do it here, if we manage to regenerate systems mm -hmm. here with the help of permaculture, we can do it anywhere. At least this uh, was what is in my head at the time and still is to be honest even though i have realized like so many years later that it's not so easy to green a place even though technically speaking it is possible you know you have to bring people aboard in order to do that mm. technically speaking it's feasible i'm now convinced yes always the human so, part is the more complicated to to resolve right <laughs> absolutely Absolutely. Everything is possible technically. It's the people who you need to not only persuade, Elena, but when bring you came back you to Greece and, yeah. and you mentioned the word permaculture, how did that land with people? Did people look at you as if you were strange? Was that a very new concept for people? Or did you find a community like you mentioned in the the in Baros that knew about permaculture or maybe was even excited about permaculture and wanted you to start there the word uh, didn't even exist in the vocabulary and we still we're still trying to find uh, uh, a good uh, a good uh, translation of it and um with my first permaculture teacher's uh, advice i followed the, his advice and uh, i made the first website uh, permaculture Greece org and so that you know to call people if if i was looking and i didn't find anything i was looking online nothing uh, was coming up only 
some things about natural farming were coming up, interestingly enough, which makes absolute sense. And um, so I made this website to draw people that probably were looking about permaculture initiatives or you know things that happen in Greece around it. And slowly but steadily, we managed to get together some of us. In the meantime, I think more people got some courses, got the permaculture courses, and then it started to open up. But it took some time. It was not, no, it was not um, at all widely known. And only some foreigners on the island were aware of the term. And even if from the beginning, I, I was not using the term very often because we don't need yet another new word, yet more jargon to talk about things that uh, we all know. Hmm. Instinctively, people in, in, on the islands knew also um, and like traditional, although permaculture is not only tradition, it's, it's a, a real good combination integration i would say between and technology and modern technology uh but this yeah. is not how you attract people <laughs> to uh, to do things you you know you just show how you think things can be done and slowly people follow and this is exactly what happened like by example you you can own by example, I mean, sure. after 12 years, could you years, give us an example like of conclusion. one of the first projects that you that you worked on in Greece? Yeah, um, it was a natural farming project. Actually, uh, natural farming is a is another system that has to do mostly with farming, but it, again, it's a wider um, philosophy. Uh, it started from Japan, from Masanobu Fukuoka. Uh, Bill Mollison, the founder of permaculture, was saying, considered Masanobu Fukuoka one of his best friends. They have met also, and he was inspired by him a lot. So what we did, one of the first projects was to make um, seed balls. Uh, seed bombs are called, now you may have, uh, you are, probably have heard them but other people also may have heard them. Uh, so basically little balls of uh, clay and soil and seeds uh, that you make like, um, um, I don't know how to say, if the like, yeah, how we would translate that. <laughs> meatballs. Meatballs, yeah, there you go. Meatballs sure. of, of seeds. <laughs> yeah, small, small meatballs, small soil balls. <laughs> uh, with seeds inside so we made a good ton of them and we uh, threw them all around uh, on a on a hill on a peninsula on the island that meant to be also my uh, the place my favorite place on the island and the place that I have looked at and touched and think thought about the most while being here in, in Paros, there is a, a, the Paros Park. It's an environmental and cultural park. Um, and so 200 people were gathered and made the seed balls and threw them on this hill um, with 
in an effort to regenerate, to revegetate uh, a, a little patch. And it was an, uh, an amazing project. It was so inspiring, really, to bring, first of all, to bring all these people together. We had a very inspiring teacher of natural farming um, that is quite known here in Greece. He used to be here. He is a student of Masanobu Fukuoka, the Japanese uh, founder of natural farming. And um, we even had results, you know, I can see them every uh, spring in, in Paris Park. That was one of the first projects and it significant uh, significance of this project is more social than it is anything else to be honest. that many volunteers together and it's you know the thing is that sorry it's so joyous when you're when you're participating in this i think that's something that we all experience i i don't know how you felt maiva but we were this knowledge is incredibly joyous it's incredibly intuitive and i think we as your students really felt that when we were on the course and we were learning from you. Yeah. Yes. Yes, because it is empowering. I think this is the most important thing. We feel we take our power back uh, and we, we, we are giving away our power or we are robbed of our power every day in, in the system we live in. And this is what permaculture does. Empowers you, and in the broader sense, or even when you have, we could say that also when you have this relationship with nature, and of course touching the soil and playing with mud is also great. It's very wonderful, very uplifting. So it was for everybody. How do you everybody. feel about? Um, how do you feel about teaching? What made you want to want to go into teaching this permaculture? Because I mean. You know, it's two weeks. It's it's an intensive, and as a student, it's so much information. And you know that you realize that there's so many wormholes that you can go down. You can go down through this massive wormhole with soil regeneration, with water conservation and filtration systems, and everything like that. So, what made you want to go into teaching this information? Yeah, I want to share it. That that's the motivation because. Uh, Generally speaking, I'm not the extrovert kind, um, but I just want to share it. And uh, it's always a challenge to convey these things. Uh, so I was really interested in how you, how you teach these things. Uh, and I have, uh, I have uh, been a student of and num numerous uh, courses in permaculture, even, um, I mean, many PDCs, normal classic CDCs, something like PDCs, like five, six, I don't remember anymore because I was facilitating also in the past. And I also, you know, didn't miss opportunities to, um, to attend many PDCs, and, but also other courses. And uh, every teacher had a different style depending on who, where they come from and all that. Really, there, there are many differences. Like the English are different from the Australians, from the Americans, from the other Europeans, name it. I mean, it's... And it's, it was challenging to see how I would deliver. Mm. Because 
after all these years, after, okay, there are not so many years, but it's about 10 years that I am practicing also, uh, really practicing. I have been farming, I've been doing the real work. And I have distilled some, some experience and knowledge that mm. I thought, okay, this has to be said. Mm. Regardless of what I have heard in the other PDCs or what the, regardless of what the books say, I have to say this because this is my experienced knowledge. And uh, this is a great challenge, actually. I'm thrilled by this challenge, uh, however tiring it may be. And it's great to share it, of course. Something like really great this year that we shared it, um, that I shared the teaching. Uh, it was really nice. To share it because it's true that it's like the the whole two week uh, it's true it's true and one person. you got to share it with yes. with uh, uh, with two other with one other teacher and then one assistant but we did feel that enthusiasm and i agree with you i don't know how you feel about this maiva but even even just introducing this information of the definition of what permaculture is and introducing it and conveying this information to different audiences uh, is is challenging because you, you you it's really important to meet people where they are and start and start there right absolutely and it's also because usually in these courses uh, the the We're audiences so are so different <laughs> even in the same group like you have yeah. so from all over the place uh, and you have adults you have very young people you have older people you have different interests and people want to reach different goals also which yes, is yes uh, people are at different exciting. stages of, of their lives so it, it meets them at different places yeah. um but yeah so maybe just to to go back a little bit to the basic of pdc so pdc is a permaculture design course and as you you said even thea and elena it just presents you for two weeks uh intense two weeks full time a vast and rich array of knowledge um, together we learn like composting and like system theory um, and just mainly the many practices that makes permaculture a research field but also a holistic practice and could you give uh, Elena uh, our listeners a bit of a rationality of what is a permaculture design course and what purpose does it serve in general yeah sure um, it started uh... It has to do with the, how permaculture started, really. I mean, the form of the PDC course hasn't changed since the beginning, almost. Uh, when um, the two founders of, uh, of permaculture, Bill Mollison and David Holmgren, uh, when they came up with a, with a framework and when the books were written, after the, the first books were written, um, Mollison started to practice uh, teaching it, and I'm not, I use that, uh, that strange term um, in purpose, in, in small groups to see how it goes, because it was so much knowledge, so much stuff. And uh, he had just come out of the of academia, Mollison. He was really frustrated with the university. Uh, he was a teacher and a professor in, in the university, and he was so frustrated by by the system there. So he decided to make a course that would be more or less um, uh, uh, at the length of a term 
you know, the course of one term. So mm -hmm. this is why uh, it was even from the beginning, 72, a 72 hour course, very condensed in 10 days or so. Now we have stretched it a little bit to two weeks because it's, uh, it's, it's crazy <laughs> to teach. To, to, yeah, to teach and be taught for 72 hours straight in, in, in a few days. Um, and then really you get an initiation in a way uh, during this course. It's, it's an intense course that gives you the base. The curriculum uh, is based on the Permaculture Designer's Manual, the book that um, Bill Mollison wrote um, in, I think, 1981. So the, the, the curriculum is mainly based on that book and tries to cover the big chapters that make the permaculture designs, design system uh, possible in a way. And it's not, but it's not only a course, I think it is in purpose, it is a community experience also. Because if you put together some people uh, in such, an intensive program, almost li living together, because it can't it can't be easily done otherwise. Uh, and being exposed to these ideas from morning to <laughs> to evening, um, you get you get more than the sum of its parts. And I don't know what your experience was, but I think that like really. The bottom line. I'm not sure how you felt, Maeva, but it was it was an incredibly immersive experience because we were all living together at the at the Tinos Eco Lodge. Yeah, and it doesn't. I hope it doesn't <laughs> sound too woo woo, but it isn't because it's like it's like we uh, uh, whatever you do intensively and purposefully and um, um, it, it becomes an initiation in a way yes. you are determined you're there you you have decided that you will stay somewhere for two weeks and you will be exposed to the to this yes. information yes and you, you you didn't have the chance to to stay until the end of our course because i think you had some work to do but i think the last week of it was was quite interesting in terms of what you're saying because of all this intensity and all this implication and involve, uh, involvement of everybody kind of <laughs> kind of came back up and I think everybody was as much fascinated by all the knowledge that we learn as exhausted of, of, of the rhythm of it and there was I would say not like frustrated. I mean, for my part, for example, I, I remember feeling a bit frustrated of not being able to grasp the fullness of, of the knowledge. I wanted to, to really understand something and to, to make a design because at the end of a, a permaculture design course, you're supposed to do a design of a project that either that is either hypothetical or that either relates to someone's land um, on, on, the, on the group. And I really wanted to, to have the chance to, okay, finally, I will just like dig my hands into it and understand at least, for example, how a greenhouse works or something like that. And this was not the point. This was not the point. And it was really, I think, a humble mission to understand was to, to really appreciate where I'm standing now in terms of the knowledge that I got and to see like, wow, there's a world 
of the many ways that I can relate and, and work with the natural systems around me. And I have to accept that I really know very little right now, but I'm being given the tools to look in the right directions, actually. And interestingly, my perspective has changed. I don't think that I know so much now. I would not be able to, to make a garden myself, but I would just be able to kind of look where my assumptions are, are misleading or where I'm trying to, to do something that is more towards productivity, that it is about respect and choose the respect path that is being proposed to me. So I think that was a great takeaway, yeah. Yes, and the PDC is just the beginning. It's not the end. It's definitely the beginning of the journey. You realize, I remember myself realizing how little I know, and I was terrified when I, when I uh, finished the first PDC in Melbourne. And I said, what? Now am I going to be a botanist and, uh, you know, an ecologist and uh, an agriculture, an agronomist? What? How? It's like, <laughs> not enough. This life is not enough. Uh, but um, as you said exactly as you said when you are asked or you are called later on to do a design or to, to design anything for that matter and to use the permaculture principles to do it um, you know where to look because this is what the design system is about you know where to look and you start thinking differently the, that's really the, the, the biggest takeaway mm-hmm how to start thinking differently. Yeah, I'd like to share just something uh, with regards to my line of work. And I work in mental health and well-being, and in particular in school settings. And for the past eight years, I had been working in Hong Kong and applying well-being strategies to an international school in Hong Kong. And you, what I love about this as well is you can take the principles and you don't have to always apply them to agriculture you can apply them to any system. So in looking at school settings at the moment, really understanding that you can use the principles in different ways. And I've even, I was just in a recent interview and talking about well-being, and I actually mentioned uh, testing the soil, about testing the soil of the school to see where there is life within well-being within the school setting and where there are aspects that might be languishing that might need some further um, tending to. And I caught myself, (laughs) I was like, wow, okay. I I didn't expect the principles to kind of become embedded into my line of work in this way. And it was really exciting. And so I just wanted to add that as well, that sometimes learning these principles, you might actually be really surprised by how you will incorporate them into your living. Because I did, I mean, I had thoughts about like, oh God, I have, I should, I should, you know, change because you're really motivated to just change so much. But then you're humbled by the fact that you just don't know that much yet. And it, it will require some smaller steps. So I think bringing it into your life, bringing this knowledge into your already pre-existing life and seeing how that might evolve and fold might be a good next step for people. Absolutely. And it's one of the permaculture principles, small and slow solutions. You can't go and change everything at the same time. It just never works like that. And let's not forget, um, we said it, but briefly that we're talking about an interdisciplinary system and uh, we are 
it's it's it has so much to do with systems theory and with ecology and ecology applies to everything really and systems theory applies to everything uh, it's just that we bring systems theory in a in a nice popular friendly way and we integrate it in um in in people's life and in people's knowledge uh because otherwise when it comes from the academic system it becomes something very uh complex or too theoretical but it isn't and it should be taught in schools really theory in my uh, and it becomes and systems theory becomes really attractive when you're talking about living systems because living systems are the most fascinating systems there are otherwise systems are what you know your computer is a system but with when you put when you have a, a, an input in your computer you are sure that the output is such but with living systems it's a whole different story and this is what's fascinating about them wonderful um okay we'll have to come to a closing uh slowly so it was really really fascinating talk and i'm sure we could go on for hours and maybe we can reschedule the session at some point because there are so many other questions uh that we would like to ask you but is, is there anything else about your story or permaculture that you would like to share that you didn't get a chance to to talk to to talk about I find it fascinating that you are working in different uh, sectors, different different uh, yeah uh, subjects, and you and you are intrigued to integrate permaculture in it. I think this is what we need. Um, we need pe people are afraid, trapped. They, they feel trapped. They are. Uh, they, they don't see a way out and they have lost their uh, their principles, their values. They don't know what to believe in. We all need something um, to hold on to. And um, to be honest, we have nothing else than nature. Not, nature is the only uh, steady thing out there although it's changing all the time, but still it's the only thing we've got and we are part of it. Hmm. It's not that we have nature, we are nature, but nature is the only thing we've got. We have nothing else really. Nothing else has stayed um, uh, on its pedestal hmm. or, or standing, let's say. <laughs> nothing else is standing anymore. It's just nature. So um, the sooner we uh get into this um the better for all of us and permaculture is a great way to do this because it's um accessible uh regardless of the fact that you are you know bombarded by information um uh during a course or something it's so inspiring and so empowering as we said that is it's a great way to to get somebody to, to see nature, to really see and uh, try, uh, start starting to, and to start to understand it. Uh, that I think is, uh, it, it can change people's lives and uh, young people would, would be so much better off if they went that direction.
tell PCs, let's, uh, you know, go out there and, and teach and learn. And uh, I think it's great for everybody Wonderful. and for nature itself also. Um, is there a recommendation of a book that really inspired you or a good place to start for people who might be interested in learning more on their own about permaculture design before they decide to take a course? The best book is the manual. Is the, the best book is the first book, unfortunately. Uh, it's a huge book. And uh, you, it's not a book that you read from first page to last, from cover to cover, the Permaculture Designer's Manual by Bill Mollison. But um, if you manage to, uh, to find the first two, three chapters, I would recommend everybody to, to read them. You don't need to go into all the details. And after that, um, there is so much good stuff written out there that I wouldn't, people, usually what happens is that people get their own uh, niche and their mm. own interest and then they go to the next stage. But yeah, what I would uh, really uh, suggest is to read the first Wonderful. two, three chapters. Thank of you. The I thought manual. you were going to mention something by Brad Lancaster in this. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, Brad, Brad Lancaster is the, the guru of water in a way. He is because he is in Arizona and he is, you know, in, in a in a climate kind of similar than uh, with us. He has been my, my second big love in this area. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, you know, but um, yeah, but one wouldn't start with Brad That's unless true. they are in the desert or somewhere near it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. good that you did. Yeah, so, so first start by the basic with Bill Mollison and the manual. And then if you happen to live in drylands, uh, check out Brad Lancaster that will help you get some plants into that that water that is running off and but definitely everything that you see it just shapes your vision so it's um it's it's a really great great knowledge to to get familiar to and a great way to find your place into this natural system that we are living in and um yes thank you elena so much thank you for the course thank you for the teachings thank you for your presence with us today thank you. and thank you Evanthea. And thank you to all who have been listening to us today. Uh, we hope this information finds you value um, is valuable to you and lends into you. And uh, we'll thank see you. you next time. Thanks a lot.